This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest Prospect Podcast. Race prospects come in all shapes and sizes. Ben Brecht is a 6'7 lefty drafted out of Cal Santa Barbara who pitched last year in full season ball for the first time. Brecht ended up with a strikeout to walk ratio of 5 to 1, so increased velocity as the season wore on, and ended up winning the first and last game of the championship series for the Charleston River Dogs. We'll hear from Ben in just a bit. You'll also hear from R.C. Lichtenstein, who will detail how coachable Ben was this past season. We start with Ben and what he was proudest of regarding his first full season in pro ball after having to wait through the COVID year of 2020. Being able to start and finish the, set, the year with uh, the same team and end it with a championship was really exceptional. You know, uh, selfishly, like as a player, you want to be moving up and down or up, you know, multiple levels during the season. And, you know, obviously I was in Charleston the whole year. But to have the year wrap up uh, in the way that it did was really phenomenal. You know, to bring the first championship to Charleston uh, in, I believe it was over 100 years. So that was extremely exciting. And you got to pitch in, obviously, some pretty key games during that stretch, too. What was that like and what did you learn about yourself? That was pretty surreal, honestly. Um, I was really lucky. Um, I had the opportunity to take the ball in game one of the series and get the win. And then uh, Seth Johnson took the ball in game two and pitched a great game and uh we also got the win there so we were going back to charleston up two to nothing and only needing needing to get one win to you know end the season as champions and you know to be honest in the back of my head i think i was you know along with the rest of my team thinking that we pretty much had it wrapped up you know we had uh they'd kind of had our number throughout the year but in those first two games of the series we were really you know showing what we were capable of um and then also going back home, you know, we have a we had an incredible home field advantage in Charleston with uh, just an amazing fan base, and really, our I, we just dominated there all year. Um, but then obviously, you know, we lose on Friday and then lose on Saturday, and so here we go. Like I, you know, walking back into the locker room after that game on Saturday, I'm not gonna lie, I was terrified. You know, I'm like, not only is is the whole season for our team going to come down to this one game, we're either going to walk away as champions or really busts because of how well we've done in the regular season. But on a personal note, I'm like, this has been kind of an up and down year for me. I've, I've finished the year really strong. And it's like, I now have the chance to basically write the script in one day, you know, for myself personally and for the team um, as to whether the season goes down as, you know, really exceptional or just kind of, a big bummer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, luckily, like I was able to go out and, um, I was happy with how I threw. I think we played great as a unit. Um, I want to shout out, shout out Mike Berglund, my catcher, because we had done a ton of preparation, um, leading into that game, just mapping out that lineup and figuring out how we wanted to pitch individual hitters. And, um, you know, we were really on the same page that game. And that was a, 
an enormous help to me. You know, one of the really neat lessons you can learn, I guess, at that level of pro ball too, is facing a team multiple times in a row, which, you know, at the big league level happens fairly frequently. So what did you learn about yourself and what allowed you to be successful against the same team in the same series? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that down East team, we played them the last week of the regular season. So I pitched my last regular season outing against them. And then in that first uh, playoff series, I pitched once. And then in the championship game, game five, that was my third outing against them in the course of under two weeks. So they knew what I was coming at them with. And I had then had a chance to see their lineup. They were really only running 10 guys out there. So there wasn't much variability in terms of uh, who was going to be hitting. Um, and it's same thing with the order. It was basically the same guys in the same order each time. And so a big adjustment that me and Mike made is in our uh, side work, our bullpens leading up to the, to the each game, we would face individual hitters. Instead of working on throwing uh, particular sequences of pitches, we would just run it. Like I would throw like three warm-up pitches and then we'd be like, all right, it's Luis Angel Acuna. Okay, this is, you know, so-and-so. And we would face, you know, each hitter in their lineup so we could get the mental reps in and know exactly what we wanted to do. And then, you know, by the end of that, of course, the first couple of times, like, you know, we would talk about it and be like, oh, I wanted to do this. Like, you know, you kept wanting to do that. But by the time that game five came around, we knew exactly what we wanted to do against that lineup. And we just went out and we out executed them, you know. So when you're executing well as a pitcher, what goes well for you? What do you think are your greatest strengths that allowed you not only to be successful in a championship game, but be successful, period? Mm, absolutely. Um, for me, I'm a high fat or high carry fastball guy. So I'm always looking to throw my fastball at the top of the zone. I also, for me personally, I'm at my best when I'm pounding the zone. So I'm, I'm just strike one, strike two, and then I'm going to try and put you away with you know, a breaking ball or a change up down or a fastball up. So for me, it's like it all starts with getting ahead in the count with my fastball. And it's really about getting it up in the zone too. So, um, yeah, I would say that's the key. It's attacking the zone with my fastball. When you were drafted by the Rays in 2019, it also was the second time that you were drafted. You were drafted out of high school as well. What led you to decide to go to college at UCSB and and what made the Rays, in your mind, a good fit for you? Yeah, um, when I was drafted out of high school, you know, it was a great honor, but um, I didn't feel like I was emotionally or, you know, physically ready for professional baseball. And um, that was more of an intuition. I didn't really have any personal experience to back that up. But after going away to college, getting my butt kicked for a number of years, and then really uh, stepping up in my junior year and having a lot of success, um, I knew I was both physically and mentally ready to get into pro ball. And even more so when I did get into pro ball and see how, um, you know, the game works, high school versus college versus professional, it's very different. Um, it just reaffirmed for me in my mind that going to college was the right thing for me as an 18 year old. Um, but yeah, UC Santa Barbara was amazing for me. Um, I can't give my coach Andrew Sheckett's enough credit. You know, he, he helped shape me, not just as a baseball player, but as a man. And, um, you know, when, after my junior year, you know, we were lucky enough. I, I won 10 games as the Friday guy. We won 45 as a, as a team first conference championship in 30 years. And, uh, went to a regional that unfortunately didn't, didn't pan out the way we wanted it to, but 
nonetheless, it was an amazing, uh, amazing team, great group of guys. Um, and I'll really, I'll cherish that 2019 season forever. You mentioned too, how different the pro game is, how different is the pro game and how much of the race helped you grow in the last couple of years? Mm-hmm. I think what the Rays do uniquely well is they identify people's strengths and maximize them. So they're going to be like, okay, well, you carry your fastball really well. We want you to focus on just throwing it up in the zone, you know, dominate that upper third. We don't want you to worry so much about trying to throw a two-seamer. We don't even want you to worry about trying to locate your fastball, like down and in, like forget it. Focus on maximizing your strengths. And I think that's, I think that's really, really what helps um, elevate a lot of, a lot of prospects and have raised prospects have a lot of success in general. But I also think what they do is they, they give players the freedom to be themselves. They're not trying to force you into any cookie cutter mold and be like, this is what you have to do from a throwing program perspective. This is what you have to do from a weightlifting perspective. This is what you have to do from a pitching perspective. They, they put the, the ball in your hands and, and they tell you, you know, this is your career, make of it what you will. And I think that, you know, with the, the combination of that philosophy and drafting really good players, I think produces some really good results. You personally, obviously, you talk about uniqueness. Are unique? You're what a six-seven left-hander. I mean, there aren't many of those. And you played basketball too, right? In in high school, how much does basketball translate or help you that experience in pitching? And how much physically have you changed since you got out of college? Uh, yeah, I I really personally am a huge believer of playing as many sports as you can growing up. I think um, you know specialization kind of kills athleticism especially the the earlier you start specializing you're really sacrificing a lot of potential athleticism and coordination um by just zeroing in on one particular thing say it's pitching um and so for me yeah I mean I I played basketball all the way up until college and it was awesome I loved it I still love it you know obviously I can't play competitively anymore but the game itself um was very good to me I was never as good at basketball as I was at baseball, but I'm, I'm super grateful for the experience that I had playing, um, not just from a physical perspective, but also a camaraderie and, you know, team perspective. I, I was really blessed to play with some, some great players. And physically, how have you changed since college? Where were you at that point? Are there certain things that you're working on this off season to get even bigger, stronger as you get ready for your next season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I went to college, just to give you some perspective, I was just under 200 pounds at six foot seven. Um, when I got drafted my junior year, I was about 235 pounds. So I was considerably bigger. And now I'm about 225 pounds. And for me, what I found, it was this progression of, I got to college and I was, I was really weak. So I had to build that foundational strength. And I worked all the way up to 235 and got, got big. And it benefited me, but I also got really tight and immobile and sacrificed a lot of what I would call like efficiency of movement to do so. And once I got into pro ball, um, I kind of recognized that and understood from a longevity perspective, you need to be able to move well and just have full range of motion to not only stay healthy, but I think perform at peak levels. And so since I got drafted, it's kind of been a whole 
process of trying to figure out what's optimal for me as a person, um, not just from a weight perspective, but you know, a strength perspective, how many times a week should I be lifting? How many times a week should I be throwing? How many times a week should I be doing mobility and uh, soft tissue work? And honestly, now I feel amazing. You know, I, uh, this has been a, a multi-year process, but from a physical perspective, my arm and body feel better than they ever have. So. And has that added anything, either crispness of your changeup or slider, or maybe a little extra carry or velocity of you you sense that when you throw bullpens or did you, or was there added velo by the end of last year? Um, my velo t- ticked up a bit towards the end of last year. Uh, personally, I feel excellent right now and I'm really excited to get in front of uh, the radar gun and face some live hitters this spring. Um, but I don't want to make too many proclamations about that. I'd rather just let the results speak for themselves. And what's the goal this year? Um, you know, you pitched what between the regular season and the playoffs um, 80 some innings last year, you know, do you have innings in mind or just overall goals? Personally, I want to pitch in the big leagues this year. I know that's, that's ambitious. And especially coming from a guy who pitched the full season in low a last year, but I really do believe that I'm mentally and physically ready for it. And, um, I think at this point, it's just on me to go out and prove that every time I got on a mount, you know, and that's what I, that's what I really love and respect about the Rays is, you know, it's a, it's in a meritocracy in the sense that if you play well and you prove, you prove your value at every level, they will move you up because they have to, you know, they're developing their players. And it's uh, I think it's really great in that sense. And really personally, there's not a, a system that I would rather play in because in order to get to the big leagues, there's no free passes. You have to prove your value at every level, prove that you can pitch an eye. You're not just going to get moved up because they need a filler up there. You're going to get moved up because you prove that you're too good to keep in high A. We have to move you to double A. And, uh, you know, personally, I think that's that's really exciting because I know that when I do get to the big leagues, I'm going to have earned it. You obviously are extremely driven just by conversation. But what do you do when you're away from the field just to make sure you're not consumed by the game 24-7? What, what drives you off the field or what do you do to help you relax? Um, personally, I'm just really interested in, in optimization in all senses, physical, mental recovery. Um, you know, how can I learn better, quicker and retain more of it? How can I, you know, gear up and have a killer workout for three hours and then come back down and get into the parasympathetic system and relax, you know, so I can get into that recovery mode. And, um, yeah, personally, like I don't have a, I don't have trouble getting up for stuff. Like I got plenty of energy. It's more about I've been trying to find the balance of how can I come down and you know get into that parasympathetic relaxed state where I can just uh, relax and like actually enjoy like watching some Bulls basketball, you know? Because um, for a long time I've I've really struggled to like sit on the couch and be at ease. You know, I'll feel like I have to be doing something to, um, you know not go crazy or just feel, feel, uh, productive. But, um, I, I think I've been able to find that balance and uh, yeah. Are you a reader then? Or what do you do to occupy your kind of at least help with that, you know, need for something? Yeah, I do read a lot. Um, and not to get too esoteric, but I do a lot of meditation and that's actually been a lifesaver in a lot of ways. How has it helped you as a pitcher? Just remaining centered. Um, you know, not getting too high or low based on the results, not just 
uh, pitch to pitch, not just game to game, but, you know, even season to season, you know, trying to remain um, at a more balanced, you know, upward trajectory of just constantly focusing on how can I maximize my talents? How can I maximize myself as a human being and trusting that, you know, if I really do do that and stick to my process and just ruthlessly try to improve myself as a, as a person, that the results will come. Everyone takes advantage of the, what the race have to offer in different ways. How much has mental skills helped you in the past year or two? I think it's a tremendous part of um, sports. I think it's a tremendous part of performance in any aspect and anything that you're going to do in life. And, um, you know, true to the Rays, um, very keen and intelligent way that they go about trying to develop baseball players. You know, they've obviously invested in mental skills training, which I love. You know, I love Josh and Goody. And um, obviously the mental skills coaches we have are, are really helpful and it's fun to have them around in the dugout. Well, it's been fun to have a conversation with you, Ben, just to kind of get a feel for uh, you and, and your growth. And we're looking forward to seeing how centered you are and how well things go in 2022. It's been nice talking to you too, Neil. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's Ben Brecht. His coach throughout the season in Charleston was one of the veterans in the race system at R.C. Lichtenstein. And I asked R.C. how quickly he connected with Ben. He lives in my area here in the Chicago area. He's a new chair high school kid. Um, so his he lives probably about 20, 25, 30 minutes from my house. Um, I got a chance training last year uh, and, and watch him throw. And he came and worked out with me a little bit. He had worked out with Jimmy Paddock a little bit. Um, and so I got a chance to meet him and I could see right away. He's really scripted. Uh, he's very serious about his preparation and his workouts. Um, being a college guy, I was interested to see how he would take to, you know, taking in information and how open he would be to that stuff. Um, and especially having seen how, uh, regimented he was with his workouts. Uh, that was the one thing going into the season with him that I wondered how he would take to it. But to his credit, he was so open and willing to make adjustments where he saw they were necessary, even if he hadn't failed yet and the game hadn't told him that. So it sounds like he's got kind of a good combination of a guy with work ethic, but also a guy who's open to learning. Absolutely. Yes, I would agree with you 100% on that. Tell me what kind of worker he is. You like what makes him a good worker? What it, what did you like about the way he went about it on a day by day basis once he got to a season? Uh, you know, I, I like the fact that he had a script that he believed in and that he was he was tireless about how he was preparing. And then when we would discuss how maybe we can make adjustments off that or be more efficient or tailor it more to the professional game, like he was really open to making adjustments and trying to get better with his routine. Um, and that's really cool because, you know, the one thing you want with a guy is be, be feel real confident and strong about what you're doing to prepare, but don't think that there's not better ways to do it, that you can't be more efficient and continue to find ways to tweak it and make it better and make it fit more. And I tell guys all along, like the biggest adjustment you're ever going to have to make in an off season is after you've played your first full season. And he came in after a short season in Hudson Valley 
um, and then had two weeks of training camp the next year and didn't have a season. Um, and this year he, he finally got to experience, even though it was only 120 games instead of 140, he got to experience in that, that, and now he knows what his body felt like after that season. And so the adjustments you'll make right now are going to be probably the biggest adjustment is this, this off season for him as to how he's going to prepare. What did you learn about him during the year? What did you like most about how he grew during the course of the year? Um, I liked how he um, was never afraid to hear the truth. Uh, if I ever told him something that I thought he needed to be better at, like he was, he was spot on with it. Um, there was never excuses. Uh, he, he was somebody who was willing to have the conversations that, you know, he might hear something that he, he didn't like, but he never took it personal. And he always knew that my information toward him was with his best interest at heart. And that I was always after, hey, how can we get better? What can we do to be better? And his process was always about, I know I can be a good big leaguer. And he wants to. He wants that information. He wants to know what it's going to take. Uh, and even though he believes he knows, uh, the fact that I had some experience over my years with the organization, like he was really open to hearing my thoughts, even though they might have been slightly different than his at this moment. There aren't many six, seven left-handers. Um, in the game period, let alone in the organization. Tell me what um, what are his strengths and how do you work with a, a frame of that size? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because when I first saw him, I thought, you know, he's 670, thin as a rail, like how coordinated is he? Is, how athletic is he? Is? And then when you watch him do his routine, like there, there's some athleticism to this kid. Like he, he moves well, he, he his body it gathers well it's it, there's some some coordination there that you can that you can definitely work with um it, it's it's interesting just just watching that frame it's like man there's something to this um and i don't know if you would build like you know with with the the big leaguers who have that frame you're talking about the randy johnsons or stuff like that it's like they're very whippy like he's not very whippy but he's he's a strong kid like when you look at his frame you might think that it's six foot seven like he and that thin like how strong is he? But he's he's put together pretty well, um, and it's it's the whole idea is he's always been a pitcher who's kind of worked toward commanding the ball, and and we're getting him more in the mindset of cutting it loose and understanding how to control a, a little bit more energy, um, and so it's 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 pretty impressive to kind of watch him kind of take that and how he puts his work day together based on what he feels is important in that moment. When I look at his numbers from a year ago, the thing that stands out is a five to one strikeout to walk ratio. He's certainly not afraid of challenging. What are his strengths in your mind as a pitcher? He's got great carry. So he could pitch at the top of the zone and he knows that now early in the year, he was pitching at the top of the zone, 89 to 91. Well, at the end of the year, he's pitching at the top of the zone, 91 to 93, touching 94. Um, it, it, the most impressive thing I probably saw all year when you break it down is our last series was at down East. We ended up playing down East, uh, the Rangers affiliate in the, in the championship series. The last series before that he pitched to start that series at down East and pitched five strong innings through really well, started the first game of the championship series against down East at down East and threw five and two thirds innings really well. And that was the first time he was able to go beyond five innings. Cause we were on a five inning limit all year that we, we're given a sixth inning for the playoffs as long as it fit within the pitch count. Um, so he went five and two thirds and did well. He started against them three times in a row over a 
17 day stretch and then coming back on the normal five day rest, which he hadn't done in two, two to three months. He threw six shutout innings in the third start against the same team that knew exactly what he was going to do to him, knew exactly how he was trying to get him out and exactly what his stuff was. And he did exactly what he wanted to, even though they knew it and still threw six scoreless innings in that championship game and that deciding game five. And that might be, as I look at it, one of the most impressive things that happened all last year. And that's including watching Taj Bradley be pitcher of the month twice in a row. It's including John Doksakis being pitcher of the month in April. It's including Seth Johnson, who was probably the best pitcher in the league the last six weeks. And Ben Breck did something that, as you look at it, is like, how did he do that to a team three times in a row without doing anything other than being a better version of himself? So is that is his greatest strength, his conviction then? Because you have to have conviction in your pitches to be able to do what he did. No doubt. Yeah, he believes that he's going to beat you. He knows how to beat you. Um, he said the biggest thing that that made a difference to him was when I told him that he needs to throw every pitch with the intent of getting it out. Like I said, we got to commit to each pitch. Like you throw this change, if you throw this fastball, this this slider, you need to believe that you're getting an out on this pitch. Like I don't want to swing and a miss if it's oh oh. I want an out right now, um, and it helped really have more intent and and really get into attack mode uh, and understand as similar to what we talked about with Taj Bradley, how to make hitters deal with you instead of you dealing with them. So you mentioned the carry on the fastball. What are the other characteristics of his slider and changeup? Uh, his slider really gained uh, a, a lot of development last year. Um, it was a pitch that we worked on probably most out of all of them um, in that we were trying to get more consistent break early on. He was throwing it as a cutter. And it wasn't analytically, it wasn't reading how we wanted it to. It wasn't reading out as a big league pitch. Uh, and so we got a little bit more sweep to it, a little bit more action to it. Uh, and it became, as the season went along, it really became more of that big league pitch that we're trying to develop. Uh, and it became his definite number two pitch, although his changeup is really a great pitch uh, that he uses early and late in the count. Uh, analytically, his changeup doesn't say it's supposed to be as good as it plays out, but the hitters keep telling us it is. Uh, And that's something that we discussed, like let the hitters tell us when to adjust, even though the analytics may say you need to make an adjustment on this. If the hitters say we're fine, let's continue to assume we're fine. So what do you see as the next frontier for Ben? Is it adding a little more weight and velocity? Is it shape of pitches? What are the things that you think he can do in the next season that can take his game a step further? I think that if he continues to build where he finished last year, if he can continue to take that next step of being consistent at a higher level uh at the end of the year he was consistent at 91 to 93 instead of 89 to 90 91 um his his slider was sharper uh his changeup had more conviction Uh, i don't know that as you watch him develop his pitches are going to be that much better than they are right now um I, i think that with normal development you'll definitely see a little bit of that growth but i think that you're gonna see him command the ball even better. You're going to see him uh, sequence and tunnel pitches better and just understand what the hitters are telling him. Like start to really understand what the game tells you when a hitter takes a swing, what did that just tell you? And it should immediately help you understand what the next pitch needs to be. Um, And I talk about each at bat being like a, a page on a book, like one page should lead to the next. If you're paying attention to what the hitter tells you, the next pitch should be simple. And, and, and you should understand what, where you need to go with it. If he swings at a high fastball and misses it, go up again. If he falls off a slider down, 
go high with the fastball. If he fouls off the fastball up, go down with the breaking ball. Um, and just understanding that the game will really help you gain clarity on what you need to do with that next pitch. Uh, um, and I have no worries about his preparation and his uh, ability to be ready based on what I watched of him last season and the winter before when I got a chance to work with him a little bit. The one thing I was curious too, we mentioned the six, seven, and you talked about his athleticism. Usually when you're left-handed, that means you have an advantage in trying to keep runners close. How is he with the running game being so tall, but also being left-handed? He, he does a good, good job with it. Like he, he's aware, he has a, an awareness of what's going on. That's pretty impressive. Like he has a high leg kick that you would think doesn't lend itself to be good with the running game, but he's also got a slide step where he can be one, two to the plate. Um, he doesn't have a good pickoff move, but he doesn't need one if he can be one, two to the plate. Um, the biggest thing we talked about last year is he would be high with the leg kick and then guys would take a chance to run before he ever showed the slide step. And I told him, look, if you have a slide step, show it early so they're aware of it because they're more apt to stay close to the bag if they think you may slide step instead of thinking you don't have it and showing it after they've already stole a base. Um, and so he was able to take to that information as well, and that helped him a lot. And he started to understand who's on first base. Will he run? Do I need to show him a slide step early? Or is he a guy who I can do my one, four, five, one, five leg lift because he's not a base runner. Um, so it's, it's, it's just that continued knowledge of who's out there and, and being ready to know that this guy may run. So I need to show him that one, two to the plate right now, and then just mix it up after that. And it sounds like being a student in the game and open to learning, he's a pretty good teammate with the other pitchers and other players in the group. Yeah, he's a fun guy to be around. He um, he, he's he was fun in the clubhouse. The guys really I had a good bunch last year and they really all got along with each other. Um, We had a huge mix of Latins in there at the end of the year. I think we had 18 Latins out of our 30 players on the roster. And it was amazing how everybody gelled together and really still got along. There wasn't a divide in the clubhouse uh, or or many clicks at all. Um, And Benny, you know, got along really well with his teammates um, and, you know, there was not a day where I walked in where he was sitting by himself. Like he was always engaged with somebody communicating, whether it was out on the field for stretch or whether it was in the clubhouse before we went out. Um, and so, yeah, he, he's a really likable kid with a great work ethic and, and very serious about developing to be a big leaguer. RC, good stuff. We appreciate a few minutes on uh, Ben Brecht. Okay, thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. That's R.C. Lichtenstein, and we certainly appreciate his time and that of our feature guest on the podcast in Ben Brecht. Stay tuned for more Prospect podcasts like this one, and we will chat with you soon.